Well, it's great to be with you. Uh, we've got a few uh, angles of connection here. Uh, Rick and Lillian. Rick was one of our elders uh, at the time we were commended. I think how long have you been gone, Rick? Okay, yeah, we we've been we're coming up on five. So yeah, um, and so um, Rick and Lillian, we fellowship with them up in Timmins, and then my cousin Rachel, who isn't here, and Jonathan, uh, she was at Rogers, and so uh, connected through my mom, and then I have uh, Ruth. At the, over here to my left, we lived in Stainer for a little while, and so we were very close um, to her mum. I don't know if you ever met Grandma Fleming, but she was a very spunky little lady, and we really loved her. And uh, she drove, we were always impressed that she was able to keep driving for those many years. She loved her little car, and, and uh, but uh, we connected uh, to, the, to the family, and it was quite close to Peter, her brother, and... and um, uh, boy, I forgot your other sister there. But um, anyways, we uh, we got close, got to know them um, as well. And so we're going to continue uh, in your study. Heather joins me and, and thanking you for the opportunity to, to report on the work of the Lord in Belize. But before we do that, I've been asked to continue in your study in Matthew. And uh, we're going to ask you to join me in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, and we're going to read verses 1 to 26. And um, might have a slightly different style than what you'd be used to, but um, I, I won't be offended if uh, who comes after me uh, recaps a few things, but I trust that we'll capture a few uh, few thoughts. And, and if I do go over, I'm gone. I'm not here regularly, so um, you may not see me for a few years, but I will try and stay to the schedule. And uh, time and oh, there we go. All right, all right. Let's get into it. Matthew chapter twenty-seven, verse uh, one. I'm reading from the ESV uh, for you. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away, and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. And then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he, he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, is it not lawful to put them uh, sorry, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and brought bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And when they had a no then, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? 
for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, uh, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands uh, before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. Let's take a moment and commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father, we're thankful for this opportunity to look into your word. We're thankful for um, the Lord Jesus, the one who is willing uh, to die for us. We think of how they thought they had control of the situation, but Father, we know that you are over it all. And we're thankful this morning that we can speak of him and we pray for help that you would, uh, through uh, the speaker, that you would give help to the listeners and to each of us, Lord, and that we would, uh, if there's any here that aren't saved, that they might be drawn to the Savior even this morning. Father, we commit our time to you. We again rejoice in your love to us and giving your only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So there's a lot in this chapter, and uh, I don't expect we'll be able to touch on it all, but if you recall, at the end of chapter 26, uh, it recounts a lot of action. It ends with uh, Judas betraying the Lord. It would have Jesus before Caiaphas, the high priest, and the council, and they were conspiring to put him to death. And then we have uh, the then de uh, Peter uh, denying the Lord. And so... Um, what I'd like to do today is, is just highlight some subsections. I was just looking at this uh, portion. It's been a while since I've been given a portion to, to speak on. And so, um, and, and also with such a large crowd, I mean, our whole group could fit in this section here, uh, right here. So a uh, bit intimidating. It's been a while since I spoke to a large group, but um, I trust you'll be encouraged and, and the speaker would be strengthened. But I'd like to look at a few sections, just as a number of subsections here, and just give a brief overview on them and speak a little bit of some of the, uh, the things that are happening in the, in the little section. So in verses 1 to 2, I, I give this a little title of appointed time. Then in verses 3 to 5, I put down unrepentant regret. Verse 6 to 10, I have hypocrisy. Verse 11 to 14, I have the silent sufferer none other than the Lord Jesus. Then we have in verses 15 to 17, I put over this Christ or convict. 18 to 21, I have coward or courage. Verses 22 to 23, I put down the great question that we've considered uh, a little bit here in the introduction and in the, in the announcements and the singing. And then uh, verses 24 and 26, I put here, gave up and gave in. We'll talk a little more about that. And then in verse 25, in between there, I jotted down shared guilt. So those are just some of the titles that were little subsections that I'd like to look at. 
So first of all, here we have, in verses 1 to 2, we have the appointed time. The appointed time. I just want to share, or if you want to turn there, you can turn to Galatians chapter 4. And it says there in verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, Galatians 4 and 4, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. But in the fullness of time, at the appointed time, at that perfect time, God sent forth his son. And so we have the appointed time. And here I, I, was, I thought of this, that we know from many other passages and, and the previous uh, plans and plots had had been conceived, but that was as far as God would allow them to go, is just to make the plots and plans and to, to, to scheme and so on. But here we have this time is, was, is coming together. The things, are, the things are coming together. And of course they were then too, but now we're, we're right close. And so we see that at least eight different times from and I may have missed something, but I think there was at least different times there was people tried to, to kill the Lord Jesus or plotted and, and so on. We would see that here now that God's appointed time had come for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that sinless and spotless Lamb of God to be offered up as that once-for-all sacrifice for sin. Abraham uh, would say God would provide himself the Lamb, right? And here we have the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, that once for all, I just wanted to mention Hebrews, uh, because it, in thinking of that here, that once for all sacrifice, this time was coming for him to be put to death. They took counsel. This time it wasn't just a taking counsel and plotting. It was the events were coming together in that. And so Hebrews chapter 9 and 12, I'm just going to read the, these verses and just here, uh, here quickly. Uh, Hebrews 9 and 12, but he entered once for all into the, holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing, securing our eternal redemption. Then I have verse 26. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, after that comes judgment. We need to be prepared for that, that day that when we would die, having our sins forgiven, knowing the Lord Jesus as our own and personal Savior. So Christ, in verse 28, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. I trust that as believers, we're eagerly waiting for him. We're not passive Christians. We're eager and active Christians. That's another whole subject. But I just look at now at um, chapter 10 and verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice, once for all, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 14, for by a single offering, he is perfected, completed perfectly for all time, those who are being uh, sanctified. And so we have that, that appointed time had come when that once for all, that, that single sacrifice would be offered, would give up his life.
for you and I as sinners. Today, those of us who are saved, we are sinners saved by God's grace. Right? We are sinners saved by God's grace. And the opportunity is there for those who are still unsaved to be saved, to have their sins forgiven, and to know that they are in the family of God. The next section, uh, thinking here of this unrepentant regret. Here we have Judas. Judas saw that that Jesus was was condemned, and he had a change of mind. He had an opportunity to to really change his mind and 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 not give the money. He still, even before he had given them the money, he he still had that opportunity to change his mind and and to repent of his sin. But he he had done that, and we see that he didn't repent, although uh, he did have regret, and his grief was was more than likely genuine, still hadn't led to confession and, and repentance of his sin. You know, Jesus took, or sorry, Judas took ownership of his sin. So he clearly had a conscience. He took ownership of it. He, he says that. He says, um, where is it? I have sinned. So he didn't blame somebody else. Somebody else made me do it. He he took ownership of his of that sin. And of course, as sinners, we, we have to get to that point where we acknowledge that we are a sinner. We can't keep deferring it. We can't whatever, you know, whatever excuses we have, we have to realize before God, I'm a sinner. And that it's a simple equation. I'm a sinner. Jesus died for sinners. Therefore, Jesus died for me. We have to come to that. That's a, that's a simple explanation of, of salvation is that Jesus died for sinners. I'm a sinner. Therefore, Jesus died. We have to accept it. You have to accept it if you're not a Christian. And so confession without repentance and faith in Jesus Christ is empty. He confessed it to these men, but they couldn't do anything for him. He said that I have sinned. And what is that to us? (laughs) We can't help you on that end of it, right? And so, you know, we're left to wonder why Judas didn't uh, turn to the Lord Jesus and ask him for forgiveness. Still had another opportunity here. And I, and I wonder, if you're unsaved here today, what's keeping you from seeking God's forgiveness for your sin? Right? There's, there's been opportunities after opportunity, right? I was a young boy of seven, almost eight, when I got saved and raised in, under the influence of Christian parents and, and grandparents on my mom's side and others in the family. I still had to make the choice myself at some point. Thankfully, it happened at a younger age. Others are older, but we still have to make that choice. So what's keeping you from seeking God's forgiveness for your sin? The next section we have is hypocrisy. I gave you over that little section, verses 6 to 10. Hypocrisy. And so what is what hypocrisy on their part? And and they were glad in uh, Mark 14. uh, Mark 14 and 11, uh, it says there, I'm uh, getting the right chapter. There we go. Uh, Mark 14 and, and 11. So they, these guys were glad. Uh, it says here, and when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him uh, and, and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to persuade him. So it says here in verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray them or to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad. And promised to give him the money. Verse in Luke 22, I think um, it would say the same thing. Luke 22 and 5. 
And they were glad and agreed to give him money. And so they, they justified uh, giving the money. Matthew 26 and 15, it says, um, now at this 26 and 15, right, the right chapter again. Uh, and it sa and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. So they were happy to give over the money to, to take a life. <laughs> but they, they couldn't take it back to, to save a life. You know, and, and so it was quite to spare the life of the Lord Jesus. He tried to give the money back, and, and, and they had nothing to do with it. And, and so here they, um, you know, there's some hypocrisy there. And, and we'll talk, I'll mention that now. But I wonder, as Christians, are we a g guilty of hypocrisy sometimes? I know I certainly am, of maybe having a double standard sometimes in our life and, and, and so on. And we need, to, we need to be careful in that as we, we look at ourselves. But if we reject Christ, our religious uh, customs and beliefs and, and rituals, they're, they're pointless. They're just activities with, with no backing behind them. What we did this morning in remembering the Lord, if it hadn't been instituted by the Lord and, and, and backed by heaven, really would be no point to it. But it's backed by heaven. It's endorsed by God. It was the Lord started set that up for us, right? And so they certainly have tremendous meaning and value to us. And so this these events here, uh, for time we won't look at them, but uh, they were also a fulfillment of prophecy from Jeremiah chapter 32. You would read and to verses 6 to 9 in Zechariah uh, one, chapter 1 verses 12 to 13. And so there's some hypocrisy here, and we need to guard against that in our own lives as well. And then we think of the silent sufferer, the one that we pause to remember this morning. You know, in verse 12, we read there, but when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. I came across a quote that says, the servants silent and submissive suffering. Bit of a tongue twister there, too many S's, but the servants silent and submissive suffering. Speaking of the Lord Jesus. Of course, we could go. We go back to Isaiah chapter fifty-three. I'm sure, your mind has gone there if you read this portion, or as we we're thinking of it, Isaiah fifty-three and seven says this: He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before his shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. That silent servant and submissive servant. You know, Pilate had tried many cases. Many of you here would know my cousin, Ralph Carr, and being a judge, and, and I'm sure he's heard all sorts of excuses uh, for different ones that have stood before him. But, you know, here, Pilate would have, probably, he would have tried many cases, and, and many of them probably would have tried to deny the charges or come up with some kind of story or excuse, but not today, which left Pilate in amazement. And, but sadly, it didn't lead him to repent of his sin. The, the events here had to have had an impact on, on Pilate, but yet he still, as far as we can tell, didn't repent of his sin. We have the silent sufferer. The Lord Jesus Christ suffered silently for you and I to cover as, as part of the, the God's plan of salvation. He could have, while well, we sing that song sometimes, he could have called 10,000 angels, beautiful hit song. And um, he could have removed himself from that situation completely, but he 
willingly put himself there and he became that silent lamb and that submissive one nevertheless not my will but your will be done speaking to his father and of course we're thankful this morning this morning that the lord became that silent sufferer for us but he had much to say for us father forgive them for they know not what they do right and, and there's we could look at the seven sayings of the lord jesus but again that's another message and i got to stay on topic here but we have the one who didn't say what she could have said he could have said many things but he remained silent then we have here in verses 15 to 17 we have christ or convict i'd put over this and pilate knew how to weigh the evidence and he quickly realized that that jesus was innocent and it appears that pilate thought that um they would choose the lord jesus over the convict in terms of releasing him right barabbas as the contrast between them was was quite clear right and and of course we know that that god had chosen the time he had chosen the people he had chosen the places where all of the events would take place right and he even used the unsaved to carry out his plan his plans and so Pilate here he's in a situation christ or convict Christ or convict. We'll come back. We'll, we'll bring that together. Verses 18 to 21, we have coward or courage. Oftentimes, as a Christian, I'm a coward and speaking up for the Lord sometimes. You can say, how, how can you do that? You're a missionary. <laughs> Still human. Sometimes we, we are a bit coward sometimes. But we have to have, we have courage or coward. Pilate knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered Jesus. And that they had no evidence to support the death penalty. We're told that, that there was out of envy. He knew there was out of envy. We see that he had a real problem. He had to either please the religious leaders to maintain peace or cause an uproar. But he also knew that he couldn't sentence an innocent man to death. And so if Pilate's plan works and they ask for Barabbas, it would be an easy out for him. <laughs> right? It would be an easy out. He could, oh, well, they good there we go right they chose the Lord Jesus and to release him and and uh here we you know he didn't have to cause any they made the decision right and so we have coward or courage what would what's Pilate going to choose then we have this great question verse 21 ends with Pilate asking who they wanted released and they the energy was um energetically responded with Barabbas Barabbas right and his plan was crushed, assuming that, you know, that's what he was leveraging on, is that they would choose the Lord Jesus, right? And so imagine Judge Carr coming up, you know, up, on the, up at the front, and, and he would be standing, you know, he's sitting there, and he says to the, to the audience, all right, what do we choose today? What, what do you want to do with this, with this criminal, right? Or any other judge, maybe there's one here. But um, it wouldn't work that way, right? And, but here he is. He, that's exactly what Pilate did. And the response troubled him, I expect, greatly. But again, still no record of him seeking God's forgiveness. You know, listen to the words of this old gospel hymn as I was thinking of this. Uh, and consider how you would respond to what will you do with Jesus? The call comes low and clear. The solemn words are sounding in every listening ear. Eternal life's in the question. And joy through eternity. Then what will you do? with Jesus 
or what shall the answer be? You have a, uh, you are in that spot today where you need to make a decision of what will you do with Jesus? What shall I, what does he say here? Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Would you yell out, crucify him? Or would you say, remember me like that one criminal? Ask, you know, ask God, ask the Lord for forgiveness. What will you do with Jesus? This great question. We all have a choice to make. And so we have in verses 24 and 26, we have here, gave up and gave in. You know, Pilate had to decide, as everyone does, regarding what to do with Jesus. I already mentioned that. You know, there's many in this room. There's possibly some that are unsaved. Even the children in Sunday school, they have to make a choice. We make choices almost every day, right, in life. I'm going to have to make some choices this afternoon as we head towards Moncton. And we're not going all the way. I wouldn't make it. Um, but, uh, you know, on the roads, you know, and thankfully we've got those beautiful things that are called phones and they've got a map on them and they talk to you, right? And it helps take some of the, the differences out and they tell you where to turn and, and some, sometimes they tell you the wrong way. But um, they, we have to make a choice here. What will you do with Jesus? You know, we, we see that Pilate gave up and gave in to the pressure of the crowd. You know, going back to verses 15 to 17, we see there that there's a Christ or convict. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? So here we have back to the... To, to Christ or to convict, or convict or Christ in that, uh, as we read through. Then in verses 18 to 21, we have Pilate in a position where he can either be a coward or he can have courage. And he can stand up and he could make that stand and say, I'm going to overrule. We know it was in the plan and for Christ, the Lord Jesus, to, to be offered up. But he, he was in a position of displaying cowardness or courage. We see that, unfortunately, Pilate chose convict over Christ, and he chose coward over courage. You know, all the water in the world couldn't wash away Pilate's injustice and guilt. Could have swam through the greatest of ocean and swam and swam and swam, thinking that it would wash it away, but it never would. And then we see here in, the, in verse 25, there we have this shared guilt. What a tragedy. You know, they were willing to be guilty for the murder of the Lord Jesus. And, and even worse than that, they were willing to make their descendants guilty as well. And you know, I think of this here. As I think of this. His blood be on us and on our children. I thought of Exodus chapter 12 and the, the Passover. And in the, in the true sense of, of that statement... It could be true that his blood would be on them for the forgiveness and cleansing of sin. If they simply ask God to forgive them of their sin. Because when, when it says there, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Right? And so if they applied the blood of the Lord Jesus 
to them, to their hearts, through faith in the Lord Jesus, they could say his blood is on us in that sense, that he bore the punishment. His blood was shed for us, like the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Have you applied the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to your life today? If you have as a believer, I trust you rejoice in that daily, that we tell others of it. And so I trust that as we thought of these things, as we think of these things and think of this great dilemma that each one has of having to make a decision. Um, you know, there's another song, I've decided to follow Jesus. Have you decided to follow the Lord Jesus? Have you displayed courage at the the cost of those around you, maybe at work or wherever, making fun of you or at school or or neighbors wondering, wow, they've gone weird or something, you know? And I mean, we're not the weird ones, but whatever people, things that people say about others who come to Christ, right? Showing that courage, choosing Christ over the world. And so, we make that decision. I trust that uh, you would be encouraged uh, in these few thoughts. I, I was just showing Uncle Randy this morning. I, I don't know where I came across it, but um, just boring from the next uh, speaker, but three things here quickly in relation to the three criminals that you're going to look at. One man died with him, or sorry, one man died with guilt in him and on him. One man died with guilt in him, but not on him. One man died with guilt on him, but not in him. Think of the the Lord Jesus and the two criminals that were with him on either side, right? And so the Lord Jesus Christ, he became sin for us. He took upon himself our sin, the judgment for our sin, that we might go free. And so I wonder, I ask you again, what will you do with Jesus? All right, we'll go to our presentation and uh, try and stay on time.